Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding, a place dedicated to the discussion of Christian faith in 21st century life. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. So join us as we endeavor to understand 21st century life through the lens of Christian faith. I'm your host, Alan Bevere, pastor, professor, author, and lover of Five Alarm Food. Come and seek with me. Gospel reading for Mark chapter 13, uh, we have the beginning of Jesus's uh, instructions to his disciples about uh, what is impending uh, and what is to come and what they are to do. Uh, and it is a response from the disciples remarking to Jesus uh, about the uh, uh, largeness, the great building of the temple and its complex. So let us hear these words from Mark 13, 1 through 8. As Jesus left the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look, what awesome stones and buildings. Jesus responded, Do you see these enormous buildings? Not even one stone will be left upon another. All will be demolished. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple. Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? What sign will you show that all these things are about to come to an end? Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am the one. They will deceive many people. When you hear of wars and reports of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must happen, but this isn't the end yet. Nations will, and kingdoms will fight against each other, and there will be earthquakes and famines and all sorts of places. These things are just the beginning of the sufferings associated with the end. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. Let us pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our God, our wisdom, our salvation. Amen. Well, one of the great events of my life, there, actually there were four events, the birth of, our, birth of our four children, and I had the privilege of being in the delivery room when Carol gave birth to all of our children because when we had our children, long gone were the days when fathers got to pace in the waiting room. So I was there, and I, I would never miss it for the world. And actually, I remember those, the bursts of my children, our children, just like it was yesterday. And I want to say, I need to say this. Um, I don't want to uh, embarrass my wife, but my wife gave birth to all four of our children without anesthesia. She has a high threshold of pain, unlike her husband. And when, when she was giving birth to our twins, um, the anesthesiologist came in, and Carol said she didn't want anything, and she said, well, I'll be standing there in the delivery room in case at any point you want something. And so after she gave birth to Joshua, Carol leaned her head back on the table and said, I can't believe I have to do this again. 
At which point the anesthesiologist stepped forward and asked if she wanted anything. Carol shook her head no, and I went, yes, I'll take something. Because I was a wreck. But I remember that. Birth pangs. I've never had them, but anyone who's experienced them can tell you they're not fun. Jesus tells the disciples in verse 8. And our translation says these are just the beginning of the sufferings. But the word is birth pangs. These are just the beginning of birth pangs. And when Jesus uses that word, he stands in his Jewish tradition. Because Judaism often used this analogy of birth pangs to refer to the current situation with its suffering, with its difficulty, with its calamity. Because in Jesus' Jewish tradition, it was believed that God would use even those birth pangs, we would, well, he would use, God would use those sufferings and calamity to bring something new, to bring out new life. Because you know when... When a woman is in the midst of birth pangs, you know something's about to be born. You know something joyful is about to happen. And so when the disciples remarked to Jesus about the awesome temple and the stones, and you know the temple, by the way, Herod began the temple, oh, a good 35 to 40 years before Jesus' ministry, and when Jesus was teaching during his life, the temple precinct was still under construction, because you just didn't have this beautiful building, the temple, you had a whole courtyard and buildings surrounding it. And it was said that within hundreds of miles, it was the most magnificent structure around and could be seen. Because remember, <clears throat> the temple's up on a hill and could be seen. And so it was magnificent. And can you imagine what the disciples are thinking when Jesus says just almost nonchalantly, well, you see all these buildings, these stones, it's all coming down. What a calamity, what a tragedy. Because ancient Jews believed that the temple was the center of the world. No, not geographically, but theologically. This is where the very presence of God dwelt, in the temple. And it, they could not imagine that the very center of their life and their faith could be gone. And so they understandably want to know. But here's what Jesus does. He proceeds to give them signs of when this is going to happen. Now, Jesus here is not predicting the destruction of a future temple has yet, that has yet to be built. 
I know there are folks who have said that. They're, I disagree. He's talking about the current temple. He's talking about the temple that some 40 years later in 70 AD, the Romans will destroy. They will surround Jerusalem. They will starve the inhabitants of the city out, and they will destroy the temple. And Jesus is talking about that event in 70 AD. Now, whether Jesus has some inside knowledge, you know, since he is, you know, got a divine hotline, or whether Jesus is just good at looking at the surroundings and looking at what's going on with the Romans and looking at how his own people are responding, that he can see this is headed at some point for a disaster is irrelevant. This is coming. And so they want to know. They want signs. How do we know this? How are we going to know this? And so Jesus then starts, well, many will come in my name saying, I'm the one. They will deceive many. Now, if you're a disciple, you're thinking, oh my goodness, there are people doing that now. You'll hear of wars and rumors, reports of wars. Oh my goodness, we're hearing that now. And by the way, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And the disciples say, oh my gosh. <laughs> We've heard the news, what's going on up there in the edge of the empire in the northeast of, of Europe. And there'll be earthquakes and there'll be famines. Oh my goodness. Can you see what they must be thinking? If they're thinking about these signs specifically to their own context, they must be thinking the end's happening really soon. But that's not what Jesus is doing. He is saying when you see these things, these birth pangs, understand that no matter what happens, no matter what calamities come upon us, no matter what suffering we face, understand that God is still in control and eventually God will give birth to new creation. So endure. And so when we take this material that a lot of folks do today and we use it to do what I call end times weather forecasting, and that is we look at current situation and we say, oh, well, that's got to be what Jesus is talking about. The end has to be really soon. We misread this material. COVID is not a sign that the end is coming tomorrow. But it is a birth pang. The vaccine, the COVID vaccine, is not the mark of the beast. But it is a reminder of what we have to do in this life to avoid as much as possible, and there's nothing wrong with that, the birth pangs of our existence. I remember when I was a college student, 
uh, I remember, uh, remember uh, Mount St. Helens, right? Erupting and causing some mayhem and some problems. And I remember talking to someone who said to me, she said, I just know this is a sign of the end. The end is coming. Well, here we are. And I had a, I, I had a religion professor in college who, who told us the story that when he was a young pastor, and this was right during the Second World War, and he said we had all of our signs worked out in the middle of, because it, with a world at war, I mean, I'm sure there were people who were concerned that the end was near, right? And he said, we had it all worked out. We had Hitler and Mussolini and, and, and Hirohito were the unholy trinity of revelation and this was the beast and that was this and this was that. And he said, then the war ended. And he said, some of my pastor friends just went back to the drawing board to see what new signs they could find. He said, I began to wonder, maybe I'm reading it wrong. And so, one of the things that I really think the church today needs to avoid is this kind of what I would call, um, um, uh, well, I'll just call it end-time weather forecasting. Because I think it undermines the message of the gospel. Because every time, it's like crying wolf. We keep crying wolf and saying, oh, the end is here, the end is here, and then it doesn't happen. And then we just move on to the next thing. And it also undermines the fact that we get to say to the world in the midst of these birth pangs, in the midst of the calamities, in the midst of the difficulties, we get to say when everybody thinks God's, out of, God's not in control and when everybody wonders where God is or some people believe there is no God because we have all this stuff and we have all this suffering, we get to say no, no. We actually have hope in the midst of all of this because we know as tough as it is, and it is tough and it is difficult to go through the sufferings and the pain of this life, we know that our God is with us and is going to bring new creation out of all of this in God's good time. And so Jesus tells us to watch. What does he mean when he says watch if we go on in Mark 13? We're not going on in Mark 13 because that's not the reading. You can trust me or look it up for yourself. When we go on in Mark 13, Jesus tells everybody, his disciples, to watch. But what he doesn't mean is this. And he doesn't mean, see what happened over there, that refers to this. Over in this passage of scripture, that's not what he means when he says to watch. He says, continue to be in mission to the world. Be about your business. Don't let these birth pangs get in the way of doing what I've commanded you to do. That's how we watch. What happens, so, so what happens when you find out at the last minute you have unexpected company, right? What do you do? You clean the house. Because we tend to think everybody's house is always clean except for ours, but we know that's not true, right? And the minute you find out 
what do we do? We don't sit there. We don't look out the window and wait. No, we get around. We straighten things up. We make sure everything's okay. Maybe they're going to, do we have coffee? We get ready for that visit. And that's what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus is coming again. And yes, he can come back tomorrow. Because we don't need any signs to be fulfilled for that to happen. He can come back tomorrow. He can come back. By the way, remember Jesus says about his coming, he says, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the son. He says, I don't even know. Only the father. And yet, how many preachers I have met who seem to know more than Jesus? When we find out company is coming, we get ready. We do. How do we watch for the second coming? Whether that happens tomorrow or next year or even not in our lifetime. How do we get ready for that? We do. We get about the business that Jesus gave us to do. And our task isn't to try to determine what the birth pangs mean for the timeline of events. Rather, our task is to be the church and be with the world in the midst of the birth pangs, to offer hope, to offer life, to surround in love and care, and to bear witness to the fact that even when the world seems out of control and feels that way, God is still God. And God remains on the throne. And in the end, one day, in God's good time, the birth pangs will end. And we will experience the new creation that God has wanted to give birth to since the beginning. That is most assuredly what the scriptures tell us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful and grateful of your presence. We are so thankful and grateful that that you have been with us. And it's been difficult times within the last year and a half to two years. It's been tough. Sometimes we haven't really known how to respond to a pandemic, to all the other things that seem to go along with that. And we certainly don't diminish the suffering how can we? How can we Christians diminish the suffering, our suffering and the suffering of others when at the heart of our faith is the suffering of your son? But help us in the midst of the birth pangs of life to hang on to the hope that you remain on the throne, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. And in the end, all things will be as you desire. In the end, you will have your way. And we 
will be a new creation forever and the birth pangs will finally have ended. Sustain us in hope through the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.